Welcome back to a crossover Wednesday edition of Locked On Ravens here with John Butchko of Locked On Jets. I am Kevin Ostreicher, and this is a quick turnaround for both teams, a Thursday night game in Baltimore. John, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm great, Kevin. And you know, the exciting thing is usually when we do these crossover Wednesday shows, we have to wait a couple days. Now we only have to wait one day for the game this week. No, football is right on the horizon, and it's an exciting time for us Ravens fans. The Ravens sitting at 11-2, and two, top seed in the AFC. And I wanted to get your perspective here, John, as a Jets fan, looking at what the Ravens have done this season. And we'll get into the offense and defense in the second and third segments. But just overall, as a admirer of the Ravens from afar, from New York, what have you seen out of the Ravens this season? And was it what you were expecting? I'll be honest, this is a better Ravens team than I was expecting, but I I have a lot of respect for the Ravens organization. I think I've long thought it's one of the best organizations in the NFL. You know, I'm not sure I was quite expecting them to be the top seed in the AFC at the moment, but I I think that, you know, it's difficult when you're looking at this from a Jets perspective to not compare the two situations. And you look at what the Ravens coaching staff has done to build their team around their young quarterback, their second-year quarterback, you're talking about personnel, you're talking about system, and it's difficult to not compare that to what the Jets have done with their second-year quarterback, which has pretty much built nothing around him. Uh, so uh, a lot of admiration for what the Baltimore Ravens have done. Yeah, and you know, I second that. I think what the Ravens have done with Lamar Jackson and being able to trust him, build a system around him, and really go all in on Lamar Jackson is what's really made this team successful. But let's now move into the injury reports here. With the game being on Thursday, and John, the Ravens got pretty beat up. There were a lot of injuries in the game against Buffalo. I wanted to ask you about how the Jets are doing health-wise, if any key players are at risk of missing the game against Baltimore, and how that could impact the game. Uh, I think it would be an understatement to say the Jets are banged up. They have uh, tens of millions of dollars on injured reserve. If you look, I'm looking at the injury report right now for the Jets. Do you want me to read you all the players who are on the injury report right now? Let's do it. We have Jamal Adams, who's missed both practices this week. Uh, Chuma Adoga, starting right tackle, missed both practices. Ryan Griffin, starting tight end, missed both practices. He's actually, I guess he was the backup tight end. Chris Herndon's on injured reserve. He's the starting tight end. Uh, Arthur Mallett, who started the year as a depth corner, moved into a starting role, not has not practiced this week. Brian Poole, the slot corner in the concussion protocol, has not practiced this week. Bilal Powell, running back, has not practiced this week. Demarius Thomas, starting wide receiver, who replaced Quincy Inunua, who's on IR, has not practiced this week. Quinton Williams, the rookie, neck injury, has not practiced this week. Henry Anderson's been limited, starting defensive lineman, starting left tackle. Kelvin Beecham's been limited, ankle injuries. Matthias Fairley, a safety, limited. Steve McClendon's starting nose tackle, limited. Ty Montgomery, number two running back, limited. Nathan Shepard, rotational defensive lineman limited, and then guys who have practiced fully but still on the injury report, Le'Veon Bell recovering from the flu, Maurice Kennedy, who former Raven, who, I mean, at this point might be a starter for the Jets, even though he, he he's not, I mean, he's he was a backup even when the Jets were playing backups recently. Uh, Tom Compton, backup lineman who's been thrust into a starting role, Sam Darnold, knee and left thumb, practiced fully this week. David Fales, the backup quarterback who was signed off the street this year because the back, the original backup quarterback, Trevor, Trevor Simeon, got hurt, and the original third-string quarterback, Luke Falk, was ineffective, and Paul Lorelow, a linebacker. So that's, those are the guys on the Jets injury report. So it's, uh, 
it's been a year, and that's not even again. I, I I did not mention all the guys on IR. The Jets have been as injury plagued as any team in the league this year. I think. Yeah, that sounds like almost half their roster, maybe even a little bit more for the Ravens on the injury front. The big news was Lamar Jackson ended up being a limited participation in their estimation of a walkthrough on Monday. And then yesterday in practice, he was also limited, but was throwing and looked good, looked crisp, according to the people who were at practice. So there shouldn't be any worries there. Lamar Jackson is a competitor. He will want to play. Mark Andrews, Chris Board, and Anthony Levine. Mark Andrews is... Mark Andrews is one of Lamar Jackson's favorite targets. He's the starting tight end. Chris Board is a backup linebacker who plays some good special teams. And Anthony Levine is a dime linebacker slash safety who can play pretty much all positions. He can do a lot of things on the defense as well as being a great special teamer. They all got injured against the Bills. And they were all limited except for Mark. And they did not practice except for Mark Andrews who practiced with what they're calling a knee injury, but apparently it's more of a bruise, and he should be okay to go on Thursday. My thing here is people are saying, oh, look, it's the Jets. They can rest their players. Well, I personally don't think that. This is a week-to-week league. I've been saying it. Yes, the Jets haven't been the best team in the NFL this year, but again, any team can come in and beat you on your home turf. It's the NFL. There's talent. So I think that with the Ravens' injuries— I think the players who can play need to play. At this point, nobody is 100% healthy coming into this game against the Jets. And I think for both teams, they just have to be smart with their injuries. If somebody has a massive risk-free injury, if Lamar Jackson had a massive risk to re-injure that quad, then no, I'd probably sit him out against any opponent because you want him healthy for the playoffs. But right now, the Ravens injury report looks decently healthy. Other than that, Jihad Ward had a limited participation with an elbow. Brandon Williams, Earl Thomas, and Mark Ingram all didn't practice just with veteran days. They've been getting veteran days throughout the entire season, so there's nothing new there. But the big one, the big player who could miss this game is Ronnie Stanley. He's ranked as a top five pass protector in the NFL as Lamar Jackson's left tackle. He's in the concussion protocol, and it's not looking likely that he's going to play. So the Ravens are going to have to put James Hurst in that situation. So both these teams come in a little banged up on a Thursday night, but my thing here is get through this game, and then you have 10 days to rest up for the next one. So that's going to be the big thing for the Ravens. But, John, I want to ask you a bit as we kind of transition into the offense in the next segment before we go to break about how Le'Veon Bell has worked out for this Jets offense because there were some rumblings that maybe the Ravens would be interested in Le'Veon, but they opted to sign Mark Ingram to that three-year $15 million deal and it seems like that has been what's working for the Ravens, and that seems to be the right move. How has Le'Veon Bell done for this Jets team? Uh, he he has not been terribly productive for the team, and you know a lot of people are putting some of the blame on the coaching staff on the job Adam Gase is doing, and I think it's somewhat fair because I don't think the Jets have really put him in position to succeed. They have not really taken advantage of his skills as a receiver by flexing him out into the slot out wide. You're taking advantage of his route running ability. Uh, you know, some of the, the offensive line has also just been really bad for the Jets this year. And part of that's been due to some of the injuries that I've talked about. It's also been, I mean, it's just not a very talented unit. They signed Ryan Khalil out of retirement, the former Carolina Panthers center. And he looked like a guy who really should never have come out of retirement. And, you, know, you, you look up front, the Jets are playing plenty of backups. They have guys shuffling in and out of the lineup every week in part due to injury. They've also made some changes just, just based on performance. It's a little bit of everything with Bell. It's some, some of it's his performance, I think. He, he has not looked fast over the last couple of weeks. When he's been, he missed Sunday's game because he had the flu. 
Uh, but he's he's kind of slowed down as the season's progressed. But I think most of it's on his usage and his offensive line. It really has not panned out. The Jets, you know, the Jets invested a lot of money in Le'Veon Bell, but they neglected the things that would allow them to get something out of Le'Veon Bell this offseason by the way they approach the offensive line. Yeah, the offensive line comes in handy when you have a running back, especially a good one. So it's not overly surprising that Le'Veon hasn't been able to do what he's best at behind, you know, a team that's been plagued by the injury bug. The offensive line hasn't performed to the expectation that they were supposed to. And that's what I want to ask you about next. This Jets team seemed to have a lot of hype coming into the season, John. And it doesn't seem like it's really gone the way everybody thought it would. Am I mistaken there? Or do you think that this Jets season has been a bit of a disappointment or better than people expected? Where were you on that spectrum? You know, I felt like heading into the season that the Jets did not have a great team. I think that there were some pretty obvious holes at key spots. I thought there was a path for them to be a competitive team. And part of it comes from the schedule because now this closing stretch for the Jets is going to be tough because they have a game against Baltimore, who's a team that has realistic Super Bowl goals right now, followed by a Pittsburgh team that's playing better, followed by a Buffalo team that's having a great year. But you looked at the schedule before the season and it looked like there was a, there was a real stretch. If the jets could survive the early going, the, the, the early going looked tough because you started with Buffalo, you started with Buffalo, but then you had a stretch of Cleveland, new England and Philadelphia. But after that, it opened up and the jets are, the jets just concluded a six game stretch where they had five games against either Miami, Cincinnati, the giants or Washington, which is not a great group of teams. Jets only went three and two in that stretch. Uh, against those teams they also had a game against Oakland that they won uh, mixed in there but they just they just got totally overwhelmed in the early part of the season they started 0-4 part of that was due to Sam Darnold uh, missing three games with Mono but uh, you know things just kind of snowballed week one they lost a game they were up 16 nothing late in the third quarter I mean I think it's a little bit of everything with the Jets I think it's coaching I think it's personnel some bad injury luck this year and I mean I think they've st- they've kind of stabilized things as of late, they've won some games, but I think it's just the type of season where if things had gone right, they, there was a path to thread the needle. Everything's gone wrong for this team, though. Yeah, there were some expectations coming into the year. I just think that with all the talent the Jets were able to sign, you mentioned Jamison Crowder, and there's Olivia Bell, CJ Mosley, etc. There was a path, and I just don't think the Jets were able to capitalize. Sam Darnold had the mono thing. So there were a lot of things kind of working against the Jets. And I think with another high draft pick, another year to go out, and hopefully Joe Douglas can work some magic, maybe that team will get a bit better next year, and that's the hope. But finally here, John, before we head to break, this Jets team sometimes can be characterized here in Baltimore as the New York Ravens because of how many former Ravens the Jets have on that team. I mentioned C.J. Mosley just a second ago. Also guard Alex Lewis, running back Ty Montgomery. There's Maurice Kennedy, the cornerback. Bennett Jackson, the safety who the Jets just claimed. And Brandon Copeland, even Paul Warlow. For the people who don't know, Paul, Paul Warlow actually signed with the Ravens in early August, and he asked for his release just 24 hours later. There were some rumors he was going to retire, but he actually signed with the Jets in early November. How are these former Ravens doing on the Jets? Uh, most of these guys are not making an impact. Mosley had a spectacular first week against Buffalo. He was part of a couple turnovers. He was making big plays, and then he got injured uh, covering a play down the seam. And he left that game with a groin injury. He's only played one other game this year, a few weeks later, against New England. So 
Mosley's kind of had an incomplete. And the other guys you mentioned are kind of more role players. Alex Lewis stepped into the starting lineup early on in the season. It's been very up and down, though. Uh, and the other guys, Montgomery is more of just a, a guy who has plays here. No, they just were talking Montgomery up in training camp. They were talking about using a lot of two-back sets with Bell and Montgomery, but they really have not utilized Montgomery a whole lot. And you know the other guys really not played a lot. Kennedy got into the lineup after a few injuries at corner, but most of the, I mean, most of these guys are not playing big roles on this team right now. Yeah, they were able to contribute for the Ravens, but it just has not really translated over to what the Jets are doing. And I think when Mosley returns next season, he's going to be an impact player. I mean, a guy of his caliber with the contract he signed. And I wanted Mosley to come back to the Ravens, but I don't. there was no way the Ravens were going to match that $85 million deal that he got. I'm glad Mosley got paid. He loved Baltimore, and I know he wanted to re-sign with the Ravens, but... I mean, when you're offered that much money, you go and play for a team. And I think he, right, he had a spectacular week against Buffalo in Week 1. And that's what I was expecting from him. The Ravens might actually lose a round on their compensatory pick that they will get from Mosley due to time being played. That might fall from a third-round pick to a fourth-round pick. But I wish the best for Mosley and, and all these Ravens guys and all these former Ravens who are now on the Jets. But we are going to go to break, and when we come back, we're going to be transitioning in to the game preview, talking about the Ravens' offense against that Jets' defense. So stay tuned, and we will be right back. Welcome back to this crossover Locked on Ravens episode with Locked on Jets. John Butchko still here with me, Kevin Ostriker, and we are now going to talk about this Ravens offense against the Jets defense. And now, John, we talk, I talked to you about what you thought of this Ravens team, but I ask every host on every week on this Locked On crossover about what you think about what Lamar Jackson has done and how he's progressed in year two. Again, looking from afar in New York with just looking at Lamar Jackson, everything he was able to accomplish last year and then coming into this year and everything he's been able to do. What do you think of Lamar Jackson? I was a big fan of his coming out of Louisville. I thought that people were selling him way short as a passer. I thought he was actually much more refined than people thought. And a lot of people thought. And he obviously is a very, very explosive guy when he you know, tucks the ball and runs, either when it's on a designed run or whether it's just a scramble. So, you know, I'm not I'm not that surprised that he's having the season he's having. I think that, you know, they, they've they've done a good job building it around him. I think a lot of it comes down. A lot of it comes down to the player, but a lot of it also comes down to the organization. And the Ravens just done a great job surrounding him with the right pieces and putting him in the right system. Uh, you know, let, let me ask you about uh, this this Baltimore offense. Um, you know, th- is this a, is this a primarily a run based offense, or is it an offense where they put the ball in Lamar Jackson's hands and like let him make plays? This is uh, primarily a run-based offense. When you look at the actual stats, the Ravens currently have the second-best total offense in the league. They're averaging 408.2 yards per game. Only the Dallas Cowboys are better in that regard, averaging 430.8 yards a game. But then you look at the rushing. The Ravens are the best rushing team in the NFL, still currently averaging just over 200 yards a game at 200 points. And the second best team in terms of yards per game on the ground is San Francisco, and they're averaging only 149.1 yards per game. The Ravens put the ball in Lamar Jackson's hands to give to Mark Ingram, to give to Gus Edwards, and even to Justice Hill, who are the Ravens' three-headed monster at running back. And then obviously Lamar Jackson can take it himself and do it with his legs. But what makes it so dangerous and the reason the Ravens run the ball so much is because they have one singular look in their running formation. And with that singular running look, 
there are so many things that can happen just coming out of it. I've talked about it throughout the entire year, and it's only evolved as I've talked about it. The Ravens have since added new wrinkles into that playbook to add even more looks. But in that pistol offense, which is in between shotgun and under center, the Ravens line up with Mark Ingram and Lamar Jackson. And what they do is they use a lot of motion. And the Ravens are currently just a great example of what it's like to pound the football and do it effectively they run a lot of motion and they do a lot of things where if you run this pistol offense you have to make it look the same and look good so that teams will be confused and the opposing defenses have to use discipline in order to stop it what you have is a formation where Lamar Jackson can snap the ball put it in Mark Ingram's belly and either keep it with him and he'll go straight up the middle. He can put it in Mark Ingram's belly and pull it back and run a boot around the outside if the defenders crash in to stop Mark Ingram. Or he can just pull the ball back altogether, have it be a play action, and throw the ball to a receiver. There are so many things that this Ravens offense does well, but the pistol offense in that look is what makes it so successful. And it's going to be tough to do it against this Jets defense. A sneaky, good Jets defense if you look at the stats. Overall, John, it looks here like the Jets have a top 10 defense in terms of total yards per game allowed, averaging 320.8 yards per game given up. Is this Jets defense as good as the number seven defense in the league right now? I don't know that they're that good, but this has been a very pleasant surprise when you look at the guys that are playing right now for this team. I mean, there, there are lots of guys getting serious time off the scrap heap. And one thing I will say is that this is going to be a very good matchup because the thing that Jets do the best is defend the run. And you know, they have, they've got some guys who are less heralded players who are, do a good job in the trenches. Steve McClendon, the veteran nose tackle, who spent a number of years in the AFC North with the Steelers, really solid guy in the middle of the defense. They have a couple of guys, late-round picks. Uh, Foley Fatukasi who was a late-round pick a year ago, playing really effective football inside, doing a lot of the dirty work. Nathan Shepard, the third-round pick from a year ago, Suspended early in the year, but doing a very effective job inside. Quinnen Williams, I mentioned, more, a more heralded guy. He was the third overall pick this year. He's, you know, he's He might miss this game because, as we talked about in the first segment, he's been injured. But he's you know, he's not putting up a ton of big stats, but he's performing his, his roles very effectively. The one thing that does concern me a little bit, though, is that this is a little bit different offense that they're facing because of the elements Jackson adds. And last week against ball against Miami Jets gave up a number of big runs on scrambles uh, against Ryan Fitzpatrick, which I guess leads to my next question is to what extent uh, are Lamar Jackson's big gains on the ground outside the structure of the call where, you know, he's dropped back to pass and then he just sees a lane and takes off. There have actually been a lot less of those as Lamar Jackson has developed in his passing. Last year, it seemed to be that Lamar Jackson was hesitant to throw the football. He maybe wasn't as confident in his throwing ability as, you know, some rookie quarterbacks would be. He was hearing a lot of criticisms and a lot of, you know, just negative attention surrounding, you know, his throwing accuracy, his spiral. And he just wants to prove to people that he is a quarterback and us Ravens fans. We knew that from the day he was drafted. The Ravens knew it from the day he was drafted. And when you look at how the Ravens are really diversifying Lamar Jackson's running ability in terms of design scrambles over design runs versus, you know, the scrambles from throwing plays and everything like that, it's interesting to see how those have kind of decreased as Lamar Jackson has improved as a passer. And I think part of that is Lamar Jackson is more confident in his arm. But 
with that comes, you know, he's so confident and he's so ready to prove to people that he is a quarterback that sometimes he'll take the throw, which sometimes can be incomplete, over maybe a 12-yard scramble when he has it or maybe that he could create. Now, that's not to say that Lamar Jackson doesn't scramble because he certainly does. When there's nothing developing over the middle for his receivers or deep, when he knows that he has the scramble and that clock is going off in his head, that's exactly what he'll do. He'll go and he'll scramble the, with the football and he'll make an electric play or an electric juke. We've seen it so many times over and over. It almost seems just natural to Ravens fans at this point. But seeing it and seeing what he's been able to do, both from a passing and a running perspective, it's been really great to see. And I think that leads into my next question here for you, John, which is if there was a player that maybe isn't too well known on that Jets defense who's been exceeding expectations, who Ravens fans need to look out for on Thursday night, who would that be? I'll give you a name. It's a guy who was a sixth-round pick out of Rutgers. and you know, He had a bad game against Miami, actually, but it's his first bad game. But he stepped into the lineup a few weeks ago. It's a corner named Bless Austin. And his college story is pretty amazing because he suffered an ACL tear in his final two college seasons. So he's barely played football over the last three years. But um, all the injuries the Jets have suffered and some ineffective play over some of the, by some of the replacements kind of forced him into the lineup in the game the Jets played a few weeks ago against the Giants. And last week, notwithstanding, he's been very effective. He's shown a good feel for zone coverage. He's been physical. And unlike a lot of corners, he likes to tackle. So you know, this could be a, this is an interesting guy to watch, although I know a lot of the Ravens passing game, the Ravens have a lot of tight ends. So, you know, I'm not sure. I guess that leads me to my question. My next question is, who are the weapons to watch in the passing game for the Ravens? With the Ravens, there isn't really what I like to call star power. A lot of these guys aren't household names yet. And I say yet because I'm pretty confident some of them will be. You talk about Mark Andrews and Marquise Brown, the Ravens first round pick out of Oklahoma. And Mark Andrews, the third round tight end last year, who also hails from the University of Oklahoma. What the Ravens have done has been able to develop an offense where you don't need star players because as long as you find solid contributors who are on board with what the Ravens do, are willing to block, and from that blocking, it'll open up the passing game for them, that's completely all right for this Ravens offense. And I mentioned Mark Andrews got a little banged up against the Bills. He exited in the first quarter and did not return. I think he's a pretty safe bet to play on Thursday. Maybe that's a bit of a bold prediction, but I think he's going to fight to play. But the guys who stepped up in his absence were the other two tight ends, Nick Boyle and Hayden Hurst. Nick Boyle is one of the best blocking tight ends in the league, but he's come on as a wide receiver over this season. He has his first two career touchdowns this year. He has 27 receptions for 291 yards in those two touchdowns. Then I mentioned Hayden Hurst, the first round pick, the first first round pick in that 2018 draft for the Ravens. The Ravens traded up into the end of the first round, the 32nd pick to end up to snag Lamar Jackson. Hurst has been a guy who's a little older. He's a little older for a rookie or a second-year guy. But when you look at what he's doing, he's a great complement to what the Ravens do on offense. He has sure hands. He's a solid blocker. This year, he has 26 receptions for 286 yards and two touchdowns. His long was a 61-yard touchdown against the Bills just last week. The Ravens have so many guys who can do so many things. I mentioned Willie Sneed can be in there. Miles Boykin, a third-round pick out of Notre Dame this year, who hasn't really been getting a lot of snaps. He's a deep threat, a big body guy who can do a lot of things. Seth Roberts, a former Oakland Raiders wide receiver, has been doing a lot of great things over the middle of the field, taking shots while continuing to haul in really tough catches. And then Patrick Ricard, the two-way player at the University of Maine, who's both a fullback and a defensive tackle, 
doing it all for the Ravens. He can even play some special teams. He just got a two-year extension last week, and he's earned every penny of it, doing the dirty work for the Ravens, moving in motion, catching passes, blocking, sacking the quarterback, forcing fumbles, you name it. Patrick Ricard is doing it. So if I had to pick one of those guys, I'd say look out for Patrick Ricard. His nickname is Project Pat, and he really is a project because he can do it all. He's still developing. He's a great guy to watch. But we are going to go to break now. When we return for our final segment, we're going to be flipping the script, talking about this Jets offense against this Ravens defense. So stay tuned, and we will be right back. Crossover Wednesday here on the Locked On Podcast Network. It's John here from Locked On Jets along with Kevin from Locked On Ravens. We're now going to talk about when the Jets have the ball. So, Kevin, you know, whenever your team goes into Baltimore, you always think about you always think about the Ravens being a franchise that's known for its defense. You know, you go in, you think about Ray Lewis, Ed Reed, Terrell Suggs, Haloti Nada. Is this Ravens defense as good as we're accustomed to it being? Well, if you had asked me this after the week four loss to the Cleveland Browns, I would say 100% no. The Ravens just came off giving up back-to-back 500-yard weeks to the Chiefs and the Browns. And there was some work to do. The Ravens weren't tackling. There were communication issues. And what the Ravens did was they went in. And now, speaking here with you, John, in Week 15, the Ravens have 10 new defensive players on the roster that weren't there in Week 4. The Ravens essentially almost you know, cleaned the house. They traded Kenny Young to the Rams in exchange for Marcus Peters, which has been a godsend of a move by Eric DaCosta, the GM who took over for Ozzie Newsome. They went in and brought in Jihad Ward, who's a good defensive tackle, defensive end, outside linebacker, hybrid guy, can do a lot of different things on the defensive line. They brought in Josh Bynes and LJ Fort, two inside linebackers who are veterans and have really solidified this Ravens defense. A few other guys I left out there, Damata Pecco and uh, Justin Ellis, two defensive tackles, big guys who came in and solidified a defensive front that was dealing with some injuries. The Ravens went in and did a lot of things, a lot of retooling, which has really helped. And now, as I sit here and speak with you, John, the Ravens, in terms of defense, they've been performing at such a high level. They've been kind of climbing the ranks, and now they have a top-10 defense giving up 314.6 yards per game, which is the sixth best in the league. So right now they have the sixth best defense according to that stat. It's been an amazing thing to watch this transformation, and I think it all has to do with Eric DaCosta and what he was able to do. The Ravens lost for their defensive starters, C.J. Mosley, Darius Smith, Eric Weddle, and Terrell Suggs. And those guys are such big losses on this team because they're veterans. They know the system. They've been there. And they're all smart football players. The Ravens went with some young guys. Some of them didn't pan out. They went in, brought in Earl Thomas. He had to adjust. Now we're seeing the defense gel. Now we're seeing the defense play at a high level. And that's what has been propelling the Ravens to victories. The Ravens' offense against Buffalo couldn't get a lot going for most of the game. The reason the Ravens won that game was because of their defense. They were able to hold Josh Allen under 200 yards passing. And it was an exceptional performance by them. And I just think with the way the Ravens have been playing on defense, with the way that everything has been gelling for them with this offense, it's such a deadly combination. But, John, I have to ask you here about Sam Darnold. I know he missed a few games due to mono. Right now, currently, he has 2,414 yards. He has 15 touchdowns and 11 interceptions. How has Sam Darnold progressed from year one to year two? And has it been what you were expecting? I think it's tough to evaluate him because the Jets just have so little around him right now. And 
I mean, my expectations of him at this point are just can he keep his head above water? And I think he's done that. I mean, I don't know exactly where he's going. I don't know if he's going to be an elite quarterback, a guy who is an okay starter. I mean, I do think he can play in this league. I, I'm not sure where he's going to end up in the end, but it's just a really tough spot for, for to put a young quarterback in. You know, he's only 22 years old, so he's young for a guy who's in his second year. I mean, he could still be a senior at USC this year. And this offensive line is as bad as any offensive line I've seen. You know, I talked about it a little bit earlier. You have guys shuffling in and out, but it, you, you can't just blame it on that because this line just, I mean, this line has struggled at points to pick up basic stunts. Now they've gotten a little bit better in recent weeks, but the line you'll probably see is Calvin Beecham at left tackle. I'm making some assumptions based on injuries. Um, your old friend Alex Lewis will play left guard. Jonathan Harrison will play center. Tom Compton will play right guard and Brandon Shell at right tackle. And then that's really kind of a collection of journeyman type players. It's just not, not a great mix. You look at the weapons he has. sounds like Bell's going to be back in the lineup after miss- missing the Miami game uh, last weekend. But like I said, they've had a tough time getting him going. And part of it's schematic. Uh, you, know, you look at the receiver core. They have Robbie Anderson, you know, good deep threat playing effectively the last couple of weeks, but very inconsistent. Jamison Crowder, a nice slot receiver, but you know, not nothing more than that. Demarius Thomas, uh, a shell of the player he used to be in Denver, really, you know, just kind of an average receiver at this point. So they, I, they don't have a lot around him. Um, at tight end, they had Ryan Griffin, who's you know catching a few passes here or there, but not really much of a playmaker. So they they don't have a ton of playmaking ability around him, and they can't protect him well. And you know, frankly, the offensive scheme has not been very good. I think Adam Gase has really not done a good job with this team this year on a number of levels, but play calling has been very shaky. I, I still don't know what this team's identity is on offense. I mean, if you look at the num- number of number a number of statistics. They're either the worst offense in the league or one of the worst. I mean, they've had a couple. They had a couple good games. Uh, they had a three-week stretch where they scored 34 points three straight weeks. But overall, I think it's been a. It, it's this is an offense that struggled to get anything going. And I think heading into Baltimore, this is this defense is going to be a tall order for the Jets. Yeah, I mean, I I have to agree with you, especially with the way the Ravens' defense has been going about playing over. Over recent weeks here, it's been, you know, exceptional to see from, you know, me, who is a Ravens fan's perspective. But as we kind of transition into the Jets offense, and I have to ask you about Le'Veon Bell. And, you know, he did miss the game against Miami last week. And from what you said, it sounds like he's going to be back. How have the Jets been using him? I know you mentioned that schematically it hasn't really been working. They haven't really pushed him out wide. What would you like to see the Jets do this week in Baltimore to really get him involved and get him going? Uh, more more plays out of the slot, taking advantage of his route running skills. I think that they also need to work him into the screen game a little bit better because they can't block for him up front. So, you know, one way to make up compensate for that would be throw him the ball out out wide, with, try and get him the ball in space, and let him use his running skills that way. I mean, those are two things that really come to mind for me. I mean, it's been a lot of just inside zone into into the uh, situations where there's no hole to run in. And there have been a few swing passes here or there. I mean, I don't, I don't think they've taken advantage of his running skills or his route running ability enough. So those are, those are the two things that really would come to mind for me. And I'll ask you the same thing I did in the last segment. When you look at this Jets offense, you know, you see Robbie Anderson, Jameson Crowder, Demarius Thomas, guys who, you know, can be household names in most NFL households. Who's one guy who Ravens fans might not know on this Jets offense who they need to for Thursday? Oh, geez. I guess I'm going to have to go with Ryan Griffin, who's a tight end, who 
I have been very critical of on, on Locked On Jets. I mean, if you're that's pretty much the only guy that comes to my, oh, he may miss this game. He left the Miami game early and did not return, and he's missed practice this week. I mean, he's he's caught some touchdown passes. I mean, a lot, a lot of times his catches aren't really him burning anybody, and like I said, he doesn't have a lot of that athletic ability to stretch the field, but he at least has been dependable running routes, and he's caught the ball for the most part when it's come to him. So I guess if that would that would be the guy who would come to mind. If not him, then Bilal Powell, who is a Powell's had an interesting career. He's actually the longest tenured Jet. They drafted him in the fourth round in 2011, and his Jets career could pretty much be summed up this way: is that the coaching staff never wants to put him in the game, but then it's and this has gone on for multiple coaching staffs for the Jets, even back to the Rex Ryan days. They never want to give him playing time, and then eventually they're forced to give him playing time, and he produces. And he actually had a decent game against Miami last week, probably the best Jets rushing performance of the year. So those would be the two guys I think that would come to mind for me. Yeah, both those guys are guys to keep an eye on if, if you're a Ravens fan. But, John, I have to ask you before we head out here, let's do some final score predictions. How do you think this game is going to go? I think this is a tough one for the Jets. Uh, short week against this team with how banged up the Jets are. And yeah, look, if the Jets were at full strength, I don't know that they're going down to Baltimore and uh, beating the Ravens on a Thursday night in December. But I think just based on this, I, I think this game could not set up worse for the Jets. I mean, I think that this is this is like a 27-10 kind of game where the Ravens win pretty handily. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm going to have to agree. Um, I think, you know, if there's one area of concern for me as a Ravens fan, it has to be with Ronnie Stanley's presumed absence with a concussion. You have James Hurst, who would fill in for Ronnie Stanley if that ended up happening in the left tackle position. And Hurst hasn't been known for his high level of play over the years. He's been with the Ravens. He's really a swing guy. He can play guard. He can play tackle. He started at right tackle for the Ravens last season before Orlando Brown Jr. took it over. So if there's one area for concern for me, it'd be there. But I don't think that that's going to hinder Lamar Jackson and his ability to both run or pass the football, especially against the Jets' banged-up team, as you mentioned. So if I had to give a final score prediction based off of everything we've talked about here, John, I'd probably give it a 35-13 to 13 Ravens win where you might see some Robert Griffin III in there, but I don't know because it's Thursday night, short week. The Ravens got a little banged up, but I still, regardless, expect a Ravens win. So I'll say 35-13 to 13 Ravens. But, John, I have to thank you for doing this crossover Wednesday with me. It's always great to do these crossover Wednesdays, and hopefully we just see a good football game on Thursday.